Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. Worship was great. Thank you, worship people, for that. That was tremendous. So, we are looking at reaching at the minute. Last week, we were looking at Moses and what's in your hand. Did anybody ponder what you've got in your hand? Yes, you did. Uh, we did it in small group, and initially, everybody was like, I don't know what I've got. By the end of the night, they knew what they had. Did they or did they not, Russell? They knew what they had. So, um, what we want to look at this week is reaching with power. We had during the week um, a discipleship class, and we're going to be holding more of those in the, the new season, really, in September time, um, about uh, just different topics, that, and it's an opportunity for us to dig into them a bit more. So Andrew had led it on Tuesday night there, and it was about your before and after story. So just to encourage you, it's good to really know what your story is, what it is that you're going to offer. When people say, well, how did you become a Christian, or whenever they're talking about this thing, well, this tends to be what what I would say. Not that it's mechanical. We really don't want to have, but we want to have a a flow and something that's prepared and ready that we can really give to others. Sound good? I'm going to share mine again. You could all probably tell me what it is, but I'm going to share it in the course of this. Uh, So just just try and find what your before and after is. used to really struggle with this, and now, now I'm here. Uh, and that'll speak, speak volumes to people. So this week we're talking about reaching with power. And I was talking to my lovely wife last night. We were eating our uh, chicken and black bean from Gay's Monkstown. Fantastic place. Spicy for me. I'm proud that I can eat it now and enjoy it. So we were sitting last night and I said, oh, tomorrow I'm speaking about uh, reaching with power. And Claire said, oh, my favorite story about reaching with power is uh, we used to do, uh, as part of AMI, a ministry called Ministry Outreach. And what we did was we went into Starbucks, remember? We went into Starbucks and we would sit and we would go, okay, God, we're here to to serve you and to to speak to people, people that we don't know. So it took a bit of, sometimes you had to go, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, can't do it, can't do it, can do this, can do this. And sometimes people would go, what? And I had one guy say, we're trying to have a cup of coffee here, mate. And I went, oh, apologies. And and walked off. But people on the whole, I would say 80% were Oh, thank you. Yeah, sure. I'll be happy to listen to something. So Claire noticed this girl, and she saw the word home. And in her Claire brain, she was going, oh, she must be just a new Christian. That's what God wants to say. So she went up and engaged the girl and started talking to her. If I can remember this story right. She engaged the girl, and uh, she, so she, Claire thought she'd become a Christian recently. And God was saying, welcome home. So Claire said, can I share this with you? And then said, I believe the Lord would say, welcome home. And I think the girl started to smile and connect with she Claire's doing this I find that my wife has, since she's worked in a special needs school has started to use sign language for everything of which I understand very very little but I think this means the girl started to cry the girl had been a Christian for a while and um, had geographically moved somewhere else had really it sounds like done a bit of a prodigal son and gone away and just made some poor choices she had then come home and had wondered if that was the right move to come home She had reconnected with God and reconnected with her church. So God was saying, welcome home. So what I find is that God chucks a stone into a river and he'll affect the ocean. He just has this ability to throw one thing in and just hits three out of one. So the girl knew that she was spiritually in the right place. She she had actually come back to the church that she, she had been in before. So she had come home spiritually to a church. She was back with God herself, and she had geographically come back to the right place. I don't know about you, but if someone comes up to me and says, can I maybe share something? I'm all ears. I really want to hear. 
that's reaching with power, and we want to talk a little bit about that today. Before I do that about this model, what I want to talk about is the old models. The old models of evangelism really would be based on a cerebral approach, basically about your understanding. They're going after how you think about God, what you think about Jesus, and of course it has its place. And please hear me, I'm not knocking this, because there are so many people that have testimonies on, you know, I was given a tract or this person stopped me in the street, or this happened or that happened. But what I'm saying is we want to uh, just deconstruct it a little bit and look how Jesus does it. So they're based on a cerebral approach, and they're generic in that they treat everybody to be at the same place and that everybody's the same. And sadly, some of them use fear, guilt, and manipulation. Now, we know 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So we don't want any fear. They're not lacking in truth, but often they lack in a bit of grace. So it's just blunt, slices people open, but there's nobody to really come along and say, you know, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. This thing needs attended to. This choice that you're making, this thing that's happening is not okay. If you line it up to the truth, it doesn't stand, but it's all right. We're going to be with you in this and we're going to help you in this. So it says, John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only son from the father who was full of grace and truth. I don't know about you, but I don't like it when people come to me and just smack me over the head with the truth. I like it when they come and love me and can put the truth in a way that I can receive it. I'm quite sure that you're all the same. And we want to speak in love, Ephesians 4.15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is in Christ. Now, so we've all had it. Now, I want to say this to you in love. What do you think when that comes? Shields up! Typically, when people come and they're really loving me, they don't need to tell me that they're going to say it in love. When they come and say, in love, mate, I think you're an idiot. We've all had that t-shirt, haven't we? But if someone comes and says, can I chat with you? I've just noticed this about you. You know, like we've done a lot of life together and you know that I love you. I just noticed this. And I really want you to be who you're supposed to be. Graham Cook says that real accountability is not calling people out in their stuff. It's calling them up to where they're supposed to be. So when we speak the truth and love to each other, we want to do it in a way that is, come on, you're better than that. We find that with our children, that's the best way to go. You don't need to behave like that. You're so much better than that. Come on. Come on this way. You're just awful. (laughs) So we want to speak the truth in love. Fear drives and love draws. So my story, I shared it on the launch Sunday. I was about 12 or 13, went to a youth rally. They were, uh, it was all pretty cool and the singing was class and everything. But then this guy stood up and said, if you don't become a Christian tonight, you could die in your sleep and you would be in hell. And it's going to hurt. You've, you've no concept as to how much it's going to hurt. <clears throat> it's going to be like 10,000 needles into your eyeballs. It's going to hurt, right? You don't become a Christian tonight. It's going to happen to you. Loves you, by the way. What are you meant to do with that? I was terrified, absolutely terrified. Came home to my mom, said to mom, this is what's happened. I've got to become a Christian. And the mom in her wisdom said, I don't think God wants you to come to him this way. Fast forward then six years, really miserable, driving along in the car. You could all probably finish this for me. Car fills up with love. I'm totally undone, and God loves me in. So in particular, I find it deeply, deeply offensive when the style of evangelism is fear-based because he loved me in. 
I'm going to listen when I'm loved. I'm quite sure you're exactly the same. So we want to be about the business of loving people. And when there's difficult things to say, we want to love them enough to A, say it, but to say it in a way that they can hear it and that they know that we're not quitting on them and that's onto something rather than just total and utter devastation and destruction. So what did Jesus do when he reached out? Well, let me read John 5, 19. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. This is from the Amplified. So it has a wee bit more. Of his own accord, unless it is something he sees the father doing for whatever things the father does, the son also does in the same way. John 5, 19, Jesus only did what he saw the father doing. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus was connected to the Father all the time. And therefore, because of that, he had the Father's resources. He was plugged in, switched on, and his light was shining. And he was the light of the world. But when he was here, he was God-man. He chose to limit himself. He was modeling to us that we can do this. Jesus didn't come to show, I'm the Son of God. It's impossible for you. I can just about do it. I'm the one in the garden saying, please, if there's any other way. So if I'm struggling, guys, you're toast. Is that what he came to say? Or did he come to say, no, no, I'm showing you that it's possible. So anything that Jesus did, in fact, he said we'll do even more than that. So Jesus stayed totally and utterly connected. What we find as parents, and I'm sure that every other parent in this room would say, is that our children are completely different. We parent them both from the same place of love, although we love them differently. We love them the same amount, but it's different. We use the same principles, but we parent them differently. And I remember quite early on with Isaac, he would have been maybe two or three and coming down quite hard on him. And quite clearly God said to me, he's tenderhearted, don't do that with him. And I find that if I'm, now there are times where I would be a bit harsher with Isaac, they need to be really, really big things because he's really, really going to listen when I do that. If I just shout at him and yell at him, he's devastated. That's not how he needs to be parented. He's unique, as are you, as am I. So we need to find the way that God wants our children to be parented, but also the way that he wants his people to be loved because he knows them deeply and intimately. And I've been learning most recently from Claire how to parent Anna, how to care for the heart of a woman, because really it's the heart of a woman in a seven, nearly eight-year-old body. It's the same heart that breaks now as it is when she's going to be 35, 40, 50. How to nurture her, how to lend her my strength, how to let her know that it's, you're going to be safe because daddy's around. Let her know that she is secure, that she's beautiful that she can listen to my words, that what appropriate touch is, I'm going to cuddle her, I'm going to kiss her, I'm going to hold her tight and make her feel safe. I've got to learn how to do those things. Once we were given advice how to discipline our children, and what we were told was, you find their currency, their own individual currency, and you squeeze it. I remember at one point, Anna loved orange juice. She loved it. Like I could have put down the whole, you know, the big, big Tesco's cartons of it. Girl would have drunk every little bit of it. Um, but I remember I said to her, Anna, if you keep doing that, I'm not giving you your orange juice. <laughs> Done in a second. 
She'd just smacked up against the boundary that was going to hurt her, that it was her currency. So what we find is that with me too, I remember there was something I was doing and Claire said, I know if you do that again, you're not going to get the light to your Steve the stove. If you know me, my stove, I'm a pyromaniac at heart. So I did, I got, I got the repeated action wrong again and Claire said, you know what, you're not lighting tonight. And I was like, oh, and the whole night long that stove looked at me, empty, devoid of life gray and cold, much like how my heart felt at that moment in time. Now, we came to a mutual agreement. Now, you may laugh at that, but what's your currency? God really, really knows you, and he really, really knows his children. Therefore, he's going to be really specific with you. Dad never took me to football matches, never watched football, doesn't work for me. Right? Just, I I remember taping, taping a match, that's how long ago it was. I taped it. Sat down, watched it, felt nothing. That's really been the height of my relationship with football, okay? You say to me, Colin, if you do that thing wrong, you're not going to get to watch the match. And you say that to someone who absolutely loves their football, their world is over. What I've noticed about football supporters is that that seems to be it. Their emotions run in correlation to how well their team is doing, whether they're good. Well, things are awful. I lived with a Man City fan. He was down most of the time. <laughs> you like that? I kind of owned that joke a little bit like that. Even Russell thought that was good. So we've got to understand that God knows us absolutely and utterly. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So God knows his children really, really well. Jesus dealt with everybody individually. And why? Because we're individuals. Love is expressed in intimacy because love knows. I had a manager one time who had uh, four of us. I always check when I hold up my finger. Four, that's right. He, she had four of us and she said, you know, I've discovered that I need to communicate the same thing in four different ways so that each person understands. So we're uniquely constructed. We need to be dealt with uniquely. And I want to highlight the fact that this generic approach this just one size fits all doesn't work. And I'm going to unpack a little bit of how Jesus did it. So love, when we know that we are loved, it causes us to want to know the one who loves us and also to share that with other people. If you have a new relationship in your life, you've fallen in love, I guarantee you, you want to tell people. It's also written all over your face, but you want to share with everybody about that. We need to know that we are known because God created us first for intimacy and then also for impact. So you can't have the impact until you have the intimacy. 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved loved us. Therefore, if you don't know that you're loved, you will not be able to express that unto others. So we've got to adopt Jesus' approach. Jesus listened to the Spirit and he followed his lead and the results were astounding. Let me read this to you. This is Luke 19, verse 1 to 10. So if you want to read along with me, you can. It's Luke 19, starting at verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd for he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, now, did Jesus come to a sign that said, the place? Or was he just connected to the Father and he kind of knew that this was the place? Jesus came to the place, he looked up 
and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he, Zacchaeus, came down, received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, he's gone to be the guest of this man who's a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Now, that was a good day in ministry. And I guarantee you that everybody in the place where Zacchaeus lived, that he had swindled, was pretty darn happy. All that Jesus did was he came to the place. He looked up and said, I've got to stay at your place tonight. Come on down. That's it. He didn't give him a tract. He didn't give him 10 points of evangelism, which all have their place. He just went, come on down, Zacchaeus, I gotta be with you. And Zacchaeus said, I'm gonna give everything back. In fact, I'm gonna give it four times back what I've stolen, and I'm gonna give half of everything that I own. God throws a stone into a river and it affects an ocean. (laughs) Even the Germans aren't that efficient. God gets it done. He just comes in and touches one thing and it seems to all change. We can do exactly the same. So how did he do it? Can we break it down a wee bit and pull apart the components of what Jesus was up to? The Holy Spirit is a giving spirit and we need to recognize his gifts. The woman at the well, are you all familiar with that story? I've talked about it a bit. So Jesus is going through Samaria and he stops at this well and it was Jacob's well. The woman came to Jacob's well She came to Jacob's well. Jacob's well was actually the person of Jesus Christ. She came to the physical well that Jacob had constructed. And at that well was the person who was the well of Jesus Christ. And what I want to say to you is you have come to the same well. This is a deep, deep well. You can't draw too much out of this well. You can't go deeper than your rope will let you. It's refreshing. It's going to bring you life. You have come to that same well. He's right here. So have you got your bucket ready? So throw it down and get yourself some water and start to share it. John 4, 4. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep come here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. What was he doing? She's talking about water, this spiritual water. Jesus, would you give me that? And what does he do? Anybody else think that's a little bit strange? What did he do? What did he do? He was connected, right? He was connected to the Father all the time. Therefore, he was switched on and the lights were on, right? He's connected to the Father. She asks him for the living water. What's he going to give her? There's no wrong answer here, folks. Well, there might be, but have courage. He's going to give her truth. But he wants to give her the living water. Can she accept the living water? He needs to get her to the place so that she can receive what it is that he's about to say. It's not a one size fits all. And how does he do that? He gets his walk out. Love this. Gets his walk out, his word of knowledge. Love it. 
Can you remember that? No, oh, come on, folks, that was good. No? He gets out a word of knowledge. He's connected to the Father. She says, give me the living water. And he says, go call your husband. That's insane. That's like someone saying to me in the shop, uh, do you keep any pencils? And I'll go, there's a sweater over here. What, what's he up to? He's got something happening because he's connected to the Father. He gets a word of knowledge. He receives it. Go call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. And he says to her, that's right, you don't. You've had five, and the one that you're with now, it's not your husband either. She says, sir, I can see that you're a prophet. She's open. She's absolutely and utterly connected, and she's starting to realize who she's in front of, all because of a question. Remember, God does not ask a question because he doesn't know the answer. He asks the question because it's really important that you understand what the answer is. He uses spiritual gifts. He's connected. He gets out the walk. He gets out the word of knowledge, and he asks her the question that cracks her open right to where she is. And because he does that, I'm going to bring out that verse in a second. But because he does that, everything's open. And actually, you're going to see that it infects a total town just because of the fact that he asks her, go and call your husband. So sometimes when we're with people, God may drop in something. You're thinking, what is this about? I remember being with a guy, and I just kept thinking about boats. And I said, do you sail? He said, no, I had a really, really bad experience one time. I really used to love them. But, but I just don't do it anymore. He was cracked right open. I remember being at the time in ministry when I, I was praying for this lady, and um, I said to her, you should keep praying for your husband because you love no one, or you, you pray for no one uh, more than you do your husband. And I looked down, and her wedding ring was off, and I thought, I've got this completely and utterly wrong. I've just totally stuffed up, and I start preparing the apology. And I'm about to say, look, you know, we're all human. We all get it wrong. I'm really sorry. If it's not encouraging, just drop it. She said to me, we've been separated for 10 years, and I pray for no one more. There was a girl another time in a discipleship class, and there was someone in the class, and they asked her, or just make the statement to her, you know, God says it's okay if you want to cut your hair. She starts to laugh. What? What's that all about? She said, this is really, really funny. Because I've had my hair like this for, from since I was a child. I just kind of feel like it's not me anymore. I've been, yeah, maybe I will. She cut her hair, all changed. It wasn't about the fact that she cut her hair. The hair was symbolic of a change that she needed to make. All because someone's connected. All because they, they have the bravery to go, look, tear it up in a way. Folks, tear it up in a way that's humble. Tear it up in a way that, I don't know if this connects with you, but I'm seeing this big Ulster bus. I don't know whether that means anything to you. <gasps> Ulster bus. Da, 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 da. I don't know, but I'm hearing this Pink Floyd song in my head. Does that mean anything to you? That's my favorite song. I don't know, but this verse keeps coming into my head. Do you know that that verse is on my wall in my bedroom? <laughs> How many times, just because of a word of knowledge, all we have to do is do exactly what the Father's doing. We don't have to figure out whether, is this going to be okay? Is this going to be a bit weird? Sometimes it's going to seem really, really weird. But actually, when you get to the other side of it, the person's going, thank you so much. You just met me exactly where I was at. So just really lightly, I just want to touch about spiritual gifts. These are tools, they're not toys, and they're not trophies. He is our first love. We do not want to be defined by the fact that 
we can prophesy or we're used in healings or we can hear words of knowledge. They're just the fruit of relationship. If our identity is found in those things, then we're always going to be off skew because we need to know whose we are are before we're going to do stuff for them. Which is why, for the past number of weeks, we've been talking about we've got to let him reach into us and let him love us. Once we let him do that, then we reach out much more effectively. We want to reach out in power. 1 Corinthians 13.2 If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but don't have love, I am nothing. Therefore, we've got to have his heart. His compassion precedes his power. We want to have his heart for people before we start to be manifest in these gifts. Now, our motives aren't always right when we first start, but we can help you with that. We want to be people who have his heart and then can minister in his power. But if we're slightly off skew, then stay in relationship. We can go on the journey with that. If we love others, then we can do this stuff and then they'll know that they're loved by him. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, words of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, discernment of spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. They are power tools for a purpose, and they are for you. If we just stay connected to him, then we can be the Jesus in the moment that somebody says, what is it that you've got? And we're listening, and we're listening, and we go, can I just ask you a question? And they go, my goodness, how did you know? I didn't know he did. Nathan, could I get you and the guys up? When we embrace this supernatural dimension to what we do, and really supernatural just means really, 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 really natural. It's not that it's something really weird that all of a sudden we're going to go, this is really strange. Sometimes it is a bit weird, but normally God puts people in those places with you to go, it's all right. This is normal. This is just how God does things. But it's supernatural. It's really, really, really natural. Andrew's described it for a word of knowledge. Like sometimes, just all of a sudden, it's like one of those dandelion seeds just starts to float across your your vision. Just a thought pops into your mind. Sometimes for me, it's like a picture. I'm just seeing a picture of someone doing something, and I've learned to go, okay, I'm maybe going to share it. But I'm sharing it in a way that they can hear it. I am quite sure that what Jesus received for the woman was, she's got an issue here. These are the details of the issue. But he had wisdom enough to ask it as a question in a way that she can answer it and that he also knows that she wants to be transparent about it. So why don't you get your walk out? Get out your words of knowledge. Start to think in terms of God has gifts for me and power tools for me to use as I reach out. He doesn't want you to be somebody else. He wants you to be yourself. But we can't do this unless we're connected to the Holy Spirit. And what happened? Many of the Samaritans from that time believed in him because of the woman's testimony, which was, he told me everything I ever did. 
So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay there. He stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. What if that can be our story? That we just reach out with one thing to one person and we can't hold the people that end up here. What if at the end of it all, when you stand with him in heaven, that he goes, because of what you did that one time, that time, that city, that nation, we've got to think bigger. God has the ability to change an ocean because he's chucked a stone into a river. Would you stand with me? So as always, we have questions for response. And if you're like me, just respond. So are you stirred to reach out just like Jesus? Do you want to connect with him and stay connected with him that the power is always on and the light can always shine? And do you want to have his heart for his people? Do you want to go to the Father and understand what the Father knows about his children so you can love them with his heart and they can know that it's him, that you become the Jesus that they need to meet? If you can answer yes to any of those questions, then come and join me at the front. for a time and then we're going to minister to you come Holy Spirit come among us this day come in your power